something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another new episode of Unique Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and if you're new here, then extra special welcome. I am a therapist who started this podcast a couple years ago to just start some conversations out in the world. And before we get into today's episode, quick reminder that this is not therapy. This is just a therapist talking about things that you also might talk about in therapy. Today, I have one of my friends on the show. Her name is Blair Falconello, and she has been on before. We did an episode in the fall about family roles. She's a marriage and family therapist. She is licensed in Tennessee. So if you love listening to her talk and you want to work with her, I'm going to put her email in the show notes. You're going to hear Blair and I talk about arguments and conflict and how to have conflict that actually can benefit your relationship and bring you guys closer and create a more intimate, loving relationship. So I am going to just get right into it. Blair, thank you so much for being here with me today. I love talking to you in real life. So obviously, I mean, the podcast is real life because that was a real conversation. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. I'm just going to get into it. So here's my conversation with my friend Blair. All right, guys, I have my friend Blair here. Say hi. Blair has been here before. You might remember her from what was the episode we did? Family roles. Family, family roles. roles. Yes. Back in the fall. And she is a marriage and family therapist which is a therapist, but her training and her, her background is different than mine. And therefore we specialize in different things. Blair loves to work with couples. Love it. I do not work with couples. Why not? It's a great I don't thing. love it. There's so many things. You There's can a do. lot of reasons why I don't love it, but we're just going to stop it. I don't love it. Understandable. So, yeah. So I just, you know, work with individuals and then if we need to bring somebody in for a session, we do, but I don't primarily work with couples and Blair does. And so I wanted to bring her back because I want to talk about conflict and, and arguments and fighting in relationships and how to fight fair. And I sent my idea to Blair and she said, okay. And then she No, let's talk about what I really said. What do you really say? She 
sheesh hot take is that what you said yeah i said wow said, Kat, sheesh, sheesh. sheesh is that what you said yes i was like whoa hot take did it but make I you nervous it. no it didn't make me nervous but there's so much that goes into that and i'm oh. just like i have to get my thoughts together because there's so much i would love to say about it there's so much to talk about so we're just gonna get the ball rolling today and we're just gonna start this conversation like we do most things on the podcast so since we're talking about fighting and relationships and arguments and all that stuff we're gonna start with what conflict is so blair can you talk to us about what conflict really is and how kind of we get it jumbled up yes so conflict i think when we think about like society and just like what those like stereotypical views are you think about you opposing your partner vice versa but the way that i think about conflict is it is each person's way to protect the relationship you're bringing up these needs that haven't been met or things that you want to see change or things that you feel hurt about to try to get your relationship in a better place. And the reason that it can be so, like you said, jumbled up and just kind of get away from us and get crazy is because we don't enter relationships as blank slates. We come into a relationship with, I don't want to say baggage because I hate that word, but a past and stuff from past relationships, you know, being in our families of origin and how things were handled there. And so um, and things that we've been heard about or hurt from. So that's why conflicts can be kind of get away from us and, and get bigger. But what you're saying is conflict is a good thing because what conflict really is, it's a way for us to maintain and protect the relationship. Absolutely. But what happens is conflict feels like almost like dangerous and scary. Right. Like attacking or so going head to head, toe to toe with your partner. Yeah. Which I mean, I've always said this and I will always believe this, that if your relationship doesn't have conflict, that's an issue in itself yes. because you learn and you gain more intimacy through conflict. And that makes sense based off of what you just said. Like we're bringing right. in all of our stuff and when conflict arises and if we really let ourselves get down into it, it allows us to get to know each other better and then learn to love and care for each other better. Right. And the way that I would reframe, you know, the conflict goal would be not to have, well, in some cases, there probably does need to be less conflict. But I would say it's not about not having conflict. It's more about having more effective and productive conflict and healthy conflict. Okay, so we're going to learn how to have that and do that. But first, you mentioned, I mean, the stories you bring from your past. So mm -hmm. let's start from the beginning. Let's talk about how where we come from impacts our communication styles and our conflict style. So we can start with family of origin and kind of how that plays a role in, you know, your current relationship and your communication style, your attachment that goes into conflict. Your family of origin, just to give you a quick rundown, is the system of people, the group of people that raised you when you were a child up until adulthood. And, you know, there are so many different ways or versions of a family of origin. Not one family looks the same all the time. So that can mean many different things. I would say whenever you're thinking about your relationship now, one really good thing to identify is how your family of origin handled conflict growing up. Were they too comfortable with conflict? Were people always going, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe mm -hmm. with each other? Did they like to sweep things under the rug and pretend like everything was okay? So therefore, as an adult, you might be really uncomfortable with conflict. I think that's a really good place to start when figuring out what your role in conflict mm -hmm. present day is. 
Because in your experience, will you do the opposite or will you play out what your family played out? I mean, it, it, it really could be either or. Like if you grew up in a family where there was abuse occurring, you might go in the completely opposite direction from their conflict styles or you might and you run know, and hide from any kind of conflict because yes. essentially the, the template that's being created for arguing or whatever is if all you've seen is this conflict being this really scary abusive thing then I don't want any of it and I'm not I'm gonna sweep everything under the rug right because I'm afraid that anything will tip somebody over there and I'm trying to be safe that's about being safe to be safe I have to avoid it absolutely or if you grew up in a family where conflict was swept under the rug you might be that partner that lets things build and build and build and build and you're not even acknowledging them just internally. And then all of a sudden you might explode at some point. And then the issue that you explode on has nothing, nothing to do with the yeah. actual issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your partner didn't put their shoes back in the closet. They left it by the front door and you could just pop off because you have swept so many things under the rug and haven't addressed anything. So yeah, there's like several different ways that can come out. Because this is very much in line with um, attachment. And we've talked about that a lot on the podcast, a lot, a lot, a lot. So if you really want to know, all of the attachment details you can go to the attachment 2.0 podcast or the very first episode we ever did but attachment and and your attachment style comes from you learning how to get your needs met as a kid from your environment that you're in Mm -hmm. so your conflict style is going to build out of that yes so let's talk about communication styles and let's see how and we'll we'll weave in and out attachment talk through that there's communication styles so can we talk about those yes and so the the ones that i'm about to outline actually come from like your family of origin these are also known as like survival stances or how we kind of get by when there's conflict that arises in our family and so the ones that i want to talk about the first one is a placator so that's someone who is a people pleaser they typically want to decrease the conflict and kind of like do whatever they have to do to have everyone simmer down. Um, they're kind of the yes man. There's the blamer, and that's pretty self-explanatory. It, you know, whenever they feel attacked, they just kind of point the finger at the other person. There is someone who is super reasonable, and that's a person that um, if you're if you're in an argument with someone who is super reasonable, they come off as almost like a robot. They're very mm. um, very overly logical and um, kind of just like stone cold. But do they have opinions? Um, no, I mean, and if they do, it's just very generic, um, nothing that's going to rock the boat. They're kind of detached emotionally from, from the conversation. And then there is someone, uh, that is irrelevant. So that's the role where they're very distracting, kind of like that mascot role that we talked about in the last podcast we did on Uh family of origin, just very distracting from the actual issue at hand. It's kind of a way to deflect. So as you're saying these, what's coming to my head is the, the placator and the blamer those probably lean more if we're going to talk about attachment styles and if we want to talk about insecure styles those are probably going to lean more anxious mm-hmm. whereas the what was the other the reasonable super reasonable su- and that, irrelevant those are more avoidant mm-hmm. right i would think so yeah yeah i mean that's how i could conceptualize that yeah yeah because one is about being overly what's the involved. word involved o- overly involved in getting your needs met because mm-hmm. you just are so worried about them not getting met and one is about my needs aren't going to get met so i'm just going to shut this off yes I, don't really care. I emotionally have shut down because yeah. there's a lot you know even with a blamer there's a lot a lot of emotion in that you feel attacked and you point the finger and so even though it's almost kind of opposite of placator there's still i mean the emotions are there but yeah. i think where super reasonable and irrelevant the the emotions are kind of like yeah down. And, and you know what else i'm thinking about as as we're talking about these is i'm like ew i don't want to be that ew i don't want to be that ew i don't want to be that one either either and 
that makes me think about when we talk about Enneagram and Enneagram types and the one that you identify with is the most, you usually are like, Ugh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being you. And so what I want to say with those communication styles, it's not about, and the same with attachment, it's not about you liking that and it being a bad one or a good one or same with family roles. None of them are about like, oh, I want to be that one. I want to encourage anybody who's listening, who's maybe some feelings of shame might be bumping up against what you're hearing and what you're connecting with, that this isn't about like you being good or bad and what role you're playing. It's I need to identify my role so I can identify where that role comes from. So then I can rewrite and edit the narrative that I've been living out of. Right. And it's it's about being mindful and aware of your history to help you be conscious of that in the present to notice that coming up and to to try to like you know stop that from happening the best way that you can right so if I find if, if I'm a blamer if I and I, I notice myself just like really being like you you do this and you do that and you do that and blah blah, blah and all of that and almost deflecting and I if I know that and I recognize myself saying that and doing that I can say hey this part of me is coming out I know that means that I'm probably a little bit scared Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to protect something. Mm -hmm. So let me calm down. Let me just like take a couple breaths. Let's look at what's actually going on. So then instead of blaming, I'm looking for a solution rather than something to push this off. Right. And I can really hear my partner. I'm not constantly trying to come up with the next thing to point the finger at. Yeah. 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 So with attachment too, so the way that attachment plays a role in conflict is that typically someone who leans more anxious typically wants to pursue their partner. They want to talk about it right then and there. They want to hammer it out now, whereas someone who leans more avoidant, they're going to want to withdraw. And so that can definitely come up when even just talking about how to have conflict, it's like, how do you compromise between someone who wants to talk about it now and someone who wants to talk about it later? So that's just another good thing to be aware of too. And there could be two people who are avoidant in a relationship and two people who are anxious, but more times than not, at least what I see is someone leans more anxious and someone yeah. leans more avoidant. Two avoidant people. I don't know that they would end up in a relationship. With that would each be rough. Other. That would be rough. I don't know yeah. that that would, uh, but what you're saying is, and it's important to recognize this is in, and I will never stop saying this out loud is that ang- somebody who has an anxious an insecure, anxious attachment and somebody who has an insecure avoidant attachment, one is not better than the other. They are literally two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Both of them are trying to avoid being abandoned and rejected. Both of them. They just do it in a different way. So if I know that's what that is, when I notice somebody pulling away from an, from an argument or a discussion, that's their way to protect the relationship too. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to get in this because when I get in this, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. When somebody's really over and over asking can we talk about this? Can we talk about this? Can we talk about this? I want to talk about this now. I want to keep talking about this. I want to, are you okay? Are we okay? Are we good? And you're like, Oh my gosh, that's their way of protecting it too. Cause they don't want to be abandoned. It's all about knowing where your stuff lands. So you then can recognize this is what I'm, I'm trying to protect. Okay. I'm trying to protect. How do I maintain and, and find a place of safety and security and a foundation. So then we can have this conversation we need to have mm-hmm. versus the, are you okay? Are we okay? And the, I'm going to go to my reassurance and yeah, to go avoid. Okay. So now that we have that kind of nailed down, let's talk about like, how do we actually fight fair? What are the things you talk about and how do people effectively communicate in times of conflict, high stress, any of the things? 
So first I want to talk about just reframing the way that we think about conflict, arguing, fighting in a relationship. I think it really kind of softens it when you think about conflict as it's me and you, you and your partner versus the problem, not me versus you. We are on the same team here trying to battle this issue that's come up between us. Which say that again, because I think that's so powerful. It's me and you versus the problem. It's not me versus you and who is right and who is wrong. There's really no way to quantify who is right and who is wrong in an argument. We all play a role, but it's easier. But some people might have a hard time understanding that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there, and of course, there's always gray, like abuse. Yeah. That's just wrong. And the abuser right. is wrong in that situation. You know, yeah. of course, there's gray. But most of the time, it's not about right and wrong. It's about me and you figuring out how to solve this problem that has come up between us. Talk about deeper rooted issues that I think is a hard pill to swallow, probably from parts of our past that we can't talk about on the podcast like specifically because it can be so many things but I think there's something to be said of what's important about winning an argument for you Mm -hmm. what's important about being right Mm -hmm. what's important about them thinking you're right Mm -hmm. because a healthy resolution might not be your partner thinking that you're right Mm -hmm. yeah I mean and I think a lot of the times people get caught up in well my partner thinks I'm wrong for feeling this way, or I don't understand why he feels the way that he does. That makes no sense. And it's not about that. Feelings are not right and feelings are not wrong. Mm -hmm. Feelings just are. And it's all about feeling heard in these arguments, in these conflicts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it brings up the idea of justified versus valid. Yes. That's such a good point. So every emotion, you guys turn up the volume on whatever you're listening to. Preach. Every single emotion, I don't care where it comes from or what it is. Every emotion is valid because you're having it. Like people don't make up feelings. You have them. You don't ask for them. They come. So every single thing you feel is valid because it's real. Point blank. I could say that over and over and over and over and over again. So there's that. Everything's valid. Justified is different justified is totally different but I don't think we're even that it's that's even important Mm -mm. whether or not an emotion is justified is one thing it's a whole nother discussion and that's more about an individual's perceptions and ideas versus a relational thing back to your point about right versus wrong someone who just needs to be right quote unquote I think some of that may come from feeling like their feelings haven't been validated. So it's like they're getting that confused. Again, justified versus valid. Maybe they feel as though their feelings haven't been validated. And that's why they have this need to be right. But because we have different stories and different experiences and different perceptions and we see the world through different lenses, everybody sees the world through a different lens, what's justified to me might not be justified to you. Mm-hmm. So that we could we could argue and go around and around and around if it was me versus you forever. And I might not ever agree with that being justified because of my story and my experiences. Right. So that's not where we're going with this. What I do know is no matter what you are, if you're a human, every emotion and every feeling is valid. And so that's where you start with these kinds of things of, okay, I might not agree with you, but let me under, first, let me validate you. And I want you to know that what you're feeling isn't crazy. Let's talk about it. And then how do we move? My question for you is how do you move somebody through that? So if it's not about me agreeing with you, then what does it become about? I think, um, and I'm simplifying it a lot here so that it's possible that I'm missing some things, but I think it's more about 
feeling heard. I think that that is a lot that comes up quite a bit in couples therapy is I just don't feel like I've been heard, which translates to me into feeling validated by their partner because their partner is just focusing on, I don't understand why you feel that way. That doesn't make sense to me. Or what about the way that I feel in this? And as a therapist, I like to remind people that on both ends, you know, each partner, conflict is vulnerable for both people, Mm -hmm. whether you're the one bringing the issue up or you're the one listening to the issue. It's a very vulnerable place to be in on both ends. And I think people lose sight of that sometimes. Well, I think they lose sight of it because then what ends up happening is what we're fighting about isn't what we're fighting about. Right. So it's like, it might not seem vulnerable to people because we're fighting about the trash. Yes. Or we're fighting about your shoes being left in the living room. Mm-hmm. And that's not what that's not the, the issue. actual issue. Yeah. yeah. So I think too, that like anger, and I'm going to move along here to like the communicating congruently. Um, since you brought that up, anger is a very common emotion that comes up for people in conflict. But I want to remind everyone that anger does not exist in solidarity. The way that I think about Meaning anger, that you don't just feel you anger. don't just feel angry yeah. because we jump to anger because it doesn't require us to be vulnerable and it puts us on the defense and we feel like we can defend ourselves with anger. Mm-hmm. But there is always, always, always a primary emotion underlying that anger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe you need to take a breather before you have this conversation or this argument with your partner to figure out like what is really going on for me right now and what does this mean to me? Okay, so to break that down, let's say we're fighting about the trash. I'm fighting because I've asked you to take the trash out 25 times and he never freaking takes the trash out. Meanwhile, I live by myself, so I take my own trash out. So this isn't currently happening, but I imagine that being very frustrating. Yes, I love it. Now, if I were to one day, so I've asked for three weeks straight, can you take the trash out? Never does. I always end up having to do it. So the fourth week I walk outside and the trash hands are still behind the house, whatever. And I just explode. Let's say I just explode. And I go off on my partner. I'm imagining that when I go and I'm, you know, yelling and screaming and saying all the things. And and I'm probably going to say something like, you never listen to me. You never listen. Why can't you just do this one thing for me? Me, how I process emotions, that is anger, yes. But what it also is, is hurt and fear. Yeah, like you're not supporting me. I'm really hurt because you're igno- it feels like you're ignoring me. And I'm really scared because it feels like you don't care about me. Yeah, you're not meeting my needs yeah. that I'm communicating to you yeah. very clearly. Yeah. And so that I like breaking down the anger as a secondary emotion. While, while anger is very important and it lets us know what we care about, we care about somebody hearing us. We care about somebody meeting our needs. Mm-hmm. But we also need to recognize that I'm not so angry. I'm terrified that you don't care about me. Mm -hmm. And I have a good example too. And some people may relate to this. So my fiance and I got a dog during COVID. Granted, we had planned to get him before COVID happened, but it so happened that we picked him up from the breeder during COVID. And we've kind of been doing some training with him. He, he, we love him dearly, but he is a wild animal. Um, And so we were, (laughs) his name is Theo. Um, We were talking about taking him with us to visit my parents that live in Southern Louisiana. And Craig had said something, my fiance Craig had said something about, you know, gosh, his behavior is just so bad. And I feel like that comes back on me. And I said, what do you mean that comes back on you? And he said, well, I feel like when it comes to the behavior stuff with him, like I'm really kind of the main person that does that stuff. And immediately I go to this place of just, I felt angry in the moment. But what I really felt was guilt and fear that, 
well, you know, my response was, well, I do this for him and I do this for him and I do this for him. I was so upset because what I heard was, you're not in this with me the way that I need you to be. Mm-hmm. And if had I like sat down and taken a breather and really re- like realized that that's what was coming up for me, it would have been a more productive conversation. But he also didn't say that. Right. But I could have at least said what I heard was that you don't think that I'm like a, you know, a supportive partner mm-hmm. when it comes to like raising our dog. And yeah. he could have said yes or no. Yeah. But instead I go to, well, but I do this with him. And yeah. how could you say that? And I do that with him. And it comes back to my stuff that was coming up that he never, you know, he yeah. never said, but it just came up for me. And it would have been healthy to point that out had yeah. I taken a beat and identified that. Yeah. yeah. Where my stuff might come from, I made up the trash example, obviously, but my stuff might come from the, my old negative core beliefs around I'm not worthy of of the work. I'm not worthy of the attention and all of that. Your stuff is hitting on your old negative core beliefs mm-hmm. that like, yeah, we can work on them. Listen to me, y'all, we can work on them and they are not going to be the shining light that our eyes see the world through, but they're still somewhere there in our bodies and in our brains, so they can be triggered. And it's important to notice that and know that. So when it does come up, I can have a productive conversation with my partner and say like, hey, this is where my mind went. I need to check this out because this is what I heard you say. And I know you didn't use those words. Right. And it's okay to bring that stuff up as long as you are open to them saying, no, like that's not what I meant. If you're, you have to also be open to the feedback that you're going to receive and not just choose to say, well, that's not true when you're lying to me. Yeah. Well, and open to hearing the reality of it, but with a firm foundation. So a firm foundation of I'm going to be in this relationship. I'm not leaving you. And in healthy relationships, you're not going to 100% love and think everything you, your partner does is right and and good you're going mm-hmm. to have complaints mm-hmm. but here's the thing about a complaint if you have a complaint there can be something done about that mm-hmm. versus is it contempt yes it's just like yes i have that on here too the, should we talk about those things we can for sure because contempt is just like there's no hope essentially but if i come to you with a complaint we need to work on our whole culture's view of complaints mm-hmm. complaints give us the opportunity to fix something that is wrong to have a discussion about it yeah and yes do something about yeah. it hey guys cat here and i have something very important to talk to you guys about now i know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life but if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick or you just need a little extra boost i think i found the next best thing and the next best thing might just be cozy earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas It feels like you are stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you Unique Therapy after you check out. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. 
You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Should we go into that? Do you have yeah. to talk about the four yeah, horsemen? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So let's see. So Gottman, he is like the leading like person uh-huh. in the field for couples therapy. So if you guys go to the Gottman Institute website, they have a lot of information on um, just couples in general mm-hmm. and relationships. And so he said that he did a lot of research on like relationship outcomes and things like that. There is a five to one ratio that is a predictor of a successful marriage or not. Well, I think this is important to say yeah. that he was able to predict, I think it was it was with 90% accuracy. 80, high 80s or low 90s, something like that. Yeah. He, within one session, was oh, it that? I don't remember how. I don't know what. Okay. So but don't he's quote got us on some this. Very solid but he research was able though, yes. to, within, like, with a 90% accuracy rate, predict whether a couple would stay together based on the stuff that we're about to talk about. Yes. So he says that couples who had a five to one ratio of positive to negative talk, meaning five positive comments to their partner versus one for every one negative comment to their partners was predictive of a successful marriage but he also has these things called the four horsemen so they're like four styles of communication that come up in conflict with your partner and i will tell you the one that is like the biggest predictor of um, a couple who may not work out so the first one is criticism and that is people people who's talking definitives like you always do this or you never do this that automatically puts your partner on the defense Mm -hmm. when you talk in definitives like that. There's defensiveness and that one's more obvious. So then after defensiveness, there is contempt. And so contempt is the horseman that Gottman says is the biggest indicator of divorce in a marriage. It is a big no-no. And so what contempt is, is it's basically a comment that you make to minimize, belittle, or shame your partner. And it puts you on a pedestal above them. You kind of see yourself as superior. So Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. It says like, look, I learned how to tell time when I was five years old. When are you ever going to learn? So the next one is um, on here. This is a good one too. 
We haven't had sex in months. What? Are you too busy flirting with that guy at work? Why don't you just marry him instead? It's a way to kind of shame your partner, mm-hmm. belittle them, minimize them. And so no wonder it's the biggest, like, you know, yeah, indicator well, of that, course. If somebody said that to me, then I would feel like I needed to become defensive to defend myself. Right. But that person might not be doing anything to deserve that or to defend. Right. It's right. the other, it sounds like it's the other person's insecurity coming out. Yes. But if I could just be honest about, Hey, I'm feeling insecure about the fact right. that we haven't had sex. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that? Like, like what's you, going on? Have, is there something going on yeah. like outside of our relationship? There's totally another way to bring that stuff up, but it's not in a way to shame your partner. Well, in that way is less vulnerable, right? It's not, I'm feeling scared because we haven't had sex in months. It's what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one is stonewalling. So that's kind of when you just cut your partner out. You don't talk to them for however many days. That's mm-hmm. also very damaging. But the one out of all four, definitely contempt is the yeah. one to look out for. So things not to do and to <laughs> recognize and talk about when you notice yourself doing them or noticing them coming up. Now let's talk about having these conversations. So something that I really believe is helpful in conflict and in conversations with not just romantic partners, but just anybody is when we're having conflict and we're coming together to have a conversation that could end up being heated, that does have a lot of emotion around it to come from a place of, I want to better understand you and for that other person to have the desire to, I want to under, uh, better understand you. So rather than coming to one solid conclusion, like we've been talking about, of one right or wrong, the conversation should be centered around understanding the other person's experience better. Mm-hmm. So something that I encourage a lot of clients to do is when they sit down and have these conversations and say, hey, I'm struggling with this because I know I'm not you and I don't have the stories in, in my head that you have. So rather than me trying to defend myself and tell you why I'm right, I want you to tell me what it's like to be you right now. Mm -hmm. I want you to help me understand what's happening within Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So there I'm asking you to give me that information versus I'm talking about my experience and then you're not even listening to me. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about when is it going to be your turn to talk about your experience? Yes. Neither of us are listening to each other. Right. So great place to start. Absolutely. Yeah. Like really being present in the moment. And I'll say, I'll add to that too. And it's, you know, one really helpful, just like pretty cut and dry tip is to validate what your partner has said before you bring up a new point. When you're just going back and forth, never really resolving what's being said and just going on to the next thing or the next hurtful thing to say, there's nothing that gets solved. And then you're all of a sudden, it's like this small thing that happened that we're talking about not taking the trash out. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked in a week because of all of the stuff that was spewed out Mm -hmm. and nothing got resolved. I think it's really good to make sure you acknowledge what your partner has said before you bring up a new point or respond to mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I get the the vibe that you're not as big of a fan as, of this that I am, which what? is okay. <laughs> what? You know, I don't know. Like, that's just <laughs> Pandora, I'm big, opening Pandora's box no, here. <laughs> I'm a big fan of um, something called intentional dialogue, which it is centered around I statements. I like guy statements, but okay. th- I think people will think it's going to solve the whole issue and, and it can help, but it's definitely not. Well, here's where I take an I statement. Yeah. So when we're talking and, or when you want to bring something up, it's, hey, when blank happened, I felt angry, scared, hurt, sad, lonely, whatever. The story I made up or what it brought up for me was blank. And what I need from you is blank. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that one. because mm-hmm. it allows you to be very, very specific about mm-hmm. what it was. It's not like when you exist. It's like when this thing happened, Mm -hmm. 
I felt this and it triggered this in me. Mm-hmm. It either brought up stuff from my past or I made a judgment. I assumed something. If I assume something, I can say, is, is that true? Is that accurate? And let's talk about that. But then the last part is, this is what I need from you. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I would like from you. And then the partner gets to say back what they heard. So I say that to you, Blair, if mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking to you. And then you'll say, is that it? Mm-hmm. And I, I'll say, yep. Like ask to clarify. And they'll say, what I heard is when I did this, you felt this, the story you, that it brought up was this, and you would like this. And if you get it right, they'll say after, was that correct? If you get it right, I'll say, yeah, that was it. If you get it wrong, then I'll say, no, let me try again. Mm-hmm. Because what happens, and it's a very interesting experiment to play with your partner or really anybody but because it it will show you how much in your head are you doing the mind reading thing Mm -hmm. or how much in your head are you defensive Mm -hmm. because let's make an example let's say Blair when you showed up to my house for this recording late at 3 45 instead of 3 30 I felt really angry and hurt the judgment I made is that you didn't care about my time and what I was doing after this and what it brought up for me is being ignored by people when I was younger or not being picked up on time from soccer practice when I was a kid. You know, it could be any of those things. What I ask is that next time we schedule something, if you're not able to make it on time, you just let me know beforehand. Mm -hmm. Now, Blair, tell me what you heard. The unhealthy type one in me would say, so what I hear is that when I'm not on time, you hold that against me and I just like can't do anything right with you. And then you say, is that right? Is that correct? No, let me try again. And then I would repeat myself and I would keep repeating myself until Blair verbatim says what I say. So what I heard is that you felt disrespected when I wasn't on time today. You do the whole thing. You say, what I heard is that when I showed up at 345, you felt angry and hurt. Yes. You repeat the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And, And what that does is it forces somebody to be so present that they have to listen to every single word you Mm -hmm. say and then they have to say it it feels different when you say it Mm -hmm. and then when you finally get it right is that correct yes that's correct is there more no that's it Mm -hmm. okay and then they get to have a turn and so then we both are hearing each other and then at the end it's like what i'm asking for is this what i'm asking for is this if we can both give that to each other then amazing Mm mm-hmm but you have to hear each other before you can really get your needs met. Mm-hmm. And again, it's another template where it doesn't give you room to agree or disagree. You're just validating and listening, which is like the best thing that you can do for the person you're having a relationship with, yeah. whoever, in an argument. Well, here's the thing. The reality is, everybody listening, is I'm late to a lot of things. Yeah. It, Blair actually See, the type in. one in me right now, I'm like, but what the hell? Like, you were the one who was like, come later. I'm not ready. The, the My truth perfectionism is, is not loving this right now. No, the I'm truth is that Blair buffers in 30 minutes to everything that I say. Literally every time she's like, I'm late. I'm like, I we've gone over this. I add 30 minutes to whatever time you specify. <laughs> but So the thing is, the reality is, Blair might not ever agree with the fact that it's important to show up on time. She might not think that that means that you care about somebody or not. Right. Because of her story and her experiences. However, she cares about me Mm -hmm. and she wants to be in a healthy relationship with me. Mm -hmm. Therefore, hey, can you can you work on being on time? She's going to she's most likely going to say, you know what? 
I'm not going to be perfect with it. But yes, now that I know how important that is to you, I will work on that. And if I'm going to be late next time, I will let you know. I'm not going to promise that I'll never be late. But if I'm going to be late, I can definitely tell you. Mm -hmm. That's the point. It's not to force Blair to now be a perfectionist and be like me and think all of my things. It's, Mm -hmm. hey, do you have enough care for me that you will make an effort to do this thing? Right. And I want to add to that too, really quick. It goes back to, well, something that I'll add is not villainizing your friend or your partner, whoever it is that you're having an issue with. Typically, again, the world is gray. There's no black and white here. Typically, the other person is not trying to hurt you with whatever action they've done. And the person bringing the issue up is not trying to hurt you by bringing it up. Their intention is not to hurt you. So I think like just also kind of getting yourself in that mindset helps a little bit before going into it. It's going back to what is conflict, a way to protect a relationship. Right. Right. They're not assuming that you did that to, you know, screw them, whatever. Yeah. Don't assume that of someone else. And, you know, hopefully the other person on the receiving end doesn't think that you're just saying these things to hurt them either. Yeah. It's meant to be productive and to solve an issue. And the thing is, if it's not, then that's probably not your person. And there's a bigger issue there. If they are trying to hurt you, if there is a lot of contempt, if this isn't about protecting the relationship and it's about hurting you, then like, okay, let's talk about... Maybe we need to get out of this relationship. Mm -hmm. But in general, when we're talking about healthy relationships, Mm -hmm. the conflict is never going to be about making the other person feel bad because they just want to make you feel bad. Right, right. It might come off that way. Right. Yes, of course. I mean, especially with like all of the stuff that comes up that bubbles out. Something that um, I really appreciate about my own fiance is he's made a habit of whenever we do have any sort of conflict, Um, And granted, we have our issues like we all do. We all have them. But something I do appreciate about him is when we've had an issue at the end of the conversation, he will always say, so what do you need from me? And uh, I really appreciate that because sometimes we can get so bogged down in all of the shit that's coming up during an argument that we forget like, well, if we want to make this better, we need to be talking about what the other person needs to move forward. And so I, I like that. I, I, that's something that like, I really appreciate that he does when we argue about things is asking that question. And you know what? What you need might not always be something that he really is like dying to give you. Right. And he loves you. Right. And he wants the relationship to work. Mm-hmm. So he's willing to do that. Right. And so I think it's good to get in the habit of either ask for what you need or if you're on the receiving end and it can it's either one or both, ask your partner what they need. Something we didn't talk about that I think is important to bring back up um, before we end this conversation is what do we do if somebody wants to talk immediately, somebody doesn't want to talk about at all. Cause we talked about that, the avoidant and the anxious attachment styles and how they handle this differently. Well, what do you do if somebody's like, talk to me now. And somebody's like, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. And that, and I brought that up because it is something it's a, it's an issue that comes up in couples therapy all the time um, with many different couples I've worked with. You know, I want to talk about it right then. They want to wait until later. What's the compromise there? I mean, it's like you're on one end or the other. So what I say is give your partner the space if they're the ones that, if they're the one that doesn't want to talk about it right then. Give them the space. However, the compromise is they need to also set up a time with you in the near future to talk about it again. What I hear is give them space, but that uh, because you're giving them space, they're also going to give you something that feels safe is mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to give you time, but can you tell me a time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tomorrow at five mm-hmm. or in 15 minutes or mm-hmm. tonight at seven thirty when I get off work, 
So they're telling you, so then you don't have to sit there and just stew on that and be afraid of like, this is never going to get resolved. And when you're in that, and when you lean more anxious and you're in that space of like just panicking and there's no resolve, it can be really scary. Yeah. And you're coming up with all this, these extra things. And so to have something to hold on to and that your partner needs to follow up with that. I mean, it also goes along with being trusting that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. Yeah. That definitely helps. No, I think that is beautiful. And I'm glad that we said that. The other thing that's making me think about is it's kind of a similar situation is when somebody wants their partner to go to therapy with them. Mm-hmm. That happens all of the time or mm-hmm. go to therapy in general. So what do you say, since you work with couples, what do you say to your clients who are like, I really want my my partner to come? And that, that does happen um, quite a bit that maybe their partner is not in a place where they're ready to do couples therapy yet, or they're getting their own individual therapy and they kind of want to focus on that and that's fine. So what I typically do is, you know, I, I make sure to tell them I can't work with a couple, like I can't work with someone who's not in the room with us. But what I yeah. can do is work with you on your role in that conflict, you know, kind of keep your side of the street healthy and clean and, you know, talk about how you can communicate in a healthy way, in a way that fits your needs with your partner or processing issues that have come up in the past. I talk about that a lot with my own therapist, like any, you know, if anything with me and Craig has been relevant to my life recently. And I talk about my role and kind of making sure that I'm doing things in the healthy way. Um, we talk about that. And maybe at some point, whenever you're making the changes you need to make, maybe your partner will jump on board. So it's not hopeless if they're just not willing in the moment to do that yet with you, but you can still go and get yourself some support on your stuff. Mm -hmm. I will say too, though, because I mean, I deal with that all the time. And I think that where I stand with it is you can't force anybody to go to therapy. You can't. If somebody goes to therapy because you're forcing them, they're not probably going to do work anyway. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that we need to look at our partners and what they're willing to do and what willing not to do and ask ourselves, can we accept this? Mm-hmm. Can we accept this version of health in them? Because they may never decide to go to therapy. That's a, so that's I can't enter a relationship saying, well, I think in five years, eventually they'll, they'll want to do X, Y, Z. So is it enough for me to work on my stuff? And then how do I create boundaries around wishing and hoping that they change because if you're always going to be wishing and hoping that they change you're never going to be able to actually accept and value what they are in that moment and Mm -hmm. who they are in that moment Mm -hmm. i say that knowing that that's really hard it's really hard it's not as black and white as i just made it sound like it is really tough and there's a lot of feelings involved in just that idea but i think one of the most powerful things i've ever heard in therapy and one of the most powerful things i've ever said to clients is when relationally we're talking about things can you accept them how they are right now Mm -hmm. because if they change that's great that'll be amazing they might not Mm -hmm. so this was great thank you for being here yes blair thank you for having um, me totally if you guys have any questions about this episode specifically or specifically for Blair, you can send them to Catherine at unitherapypodcast.com. I'll put Blair's email address in the show notes. So if you guys want to get to know her and work with her, you can if you live in Tennessee yes. where she is licensed. And I hope you guys have, you know, the day you need to have, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or whatever day it is. And I will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, Blair. Thank you. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots 
the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 